0: in the book of James. Uh, We've entitled, uh, Working from Victory. And so the idea behind this is that our work as a Christian and everything that we've talked about, our work as a Christian comes from this perspective of Jesus' victory on the cross and everything that he's done for us. And so, you know, the, the book of James is written by the, the half-brother of, J- of Jesus. And James not being a believer at one point throughout the Gospels, we see this where he actually uh, questioned Jesus, where he even said, where the Bible even said, and a certain writer said that even his brothers didn't believe in him, they didn't trust him. And so to see th- that person now write a letter to Christ, Christians who it says were scattered abroad, who were spread out amongst the land uh, because of persecution or because of the Roman government, all these things that were happening. So he's writing this letter uh, to, to believers. He's writing this letter to Christians. He's writing this letter to the church to encourage us in a very practical way. And I really love the way James is laid out and everything we've talked about so far, just being very practical and being very intentional about who we are, where we are and how we work out from this perspective of victory that Jesus has ensured for us. And so last week uh, we were in the beginning of chapter two and we began to talk about the, the kind of the outworkings of our being, the outworking of who we are. And we were talking about specifically favoritism and how, especially us as the church, how we can treat people differently or act differently towards certain people based off of who they are, what they've come from or what they have. And so it was he was speaking of this very external evaluation that the church was doing of people, and it's very uh, easy for us to fall into that because our flesh makes us look to the external because it's what we can measure, it's what we can see. And so he's telling even the church that do not fall into partial uh, partialism or favoritism in how you treat people because in the text we saw where it said that that they were telling certain people to sit at certain places, and the people who seemed favored, the people who seemed like they had a lot about them, they had the better seats, the better places. And so he was telling us, James was telling us that that is. Not the way that we should be. That is not the way that God has called us to according to His royal law that tells us a specific way to treat our neighbor, a specific way to treat the people that God has put around us, that God has put in our experiences and around us. And he talks about this law of liberty, that from this law, this freedom that he's called us to, that there's no distinctions, that the law levels us all out, that we are all in need of a savior, that we're all broken, that we're all sinful. And that that in itself, because the Bible tells us in Romans three, that we have all fallen short, the law levels us. And so for us to approach that with humility, and, because we remember back in, in the end of verse three, uh, in the end of uh, chapter one, and the, what is really carried over into these, Verses and everything we'll read from chapter two on, he says that that religion that is just words is worthless. He says if you just speak certain things and just say you're this or say you're that, he says it's worthless because not only is it not glorifying to God, but it's not doing any good for anybody else because it's coming from this place that is not uh, from God, but it's from this worthless religion, this worthless what we'll get into this morning, this worthless faith or this dead faith, and so this morning. As we get into it and we begin to see as as James really starts to focus our perspective in on our views of works and why that matters for us. And, and really continues the talk that we began last week talking about favoritism and partiality. And it continues into this week where we begin to see the relationship really begin to kind of tease out the relationship between faith and works, what that looks like in, in our life and what that looks like lived out. And so our sermon uh, summed up this morning, if I could sum it up in a way, I pray that it would be this, that we would understand that saving faith works for me, And saving faith works with me. So saving faith works for me as an individual within me and then it works with me. And so how that looks is that it works for me unto salvation. It works for me unto justification, making me in right standing before God. But then it also works out of me through my obedient doing and how my life looks and how I treat people, how I act towards people and how I worship God in heaven. And so this morning we're going to pick up in James chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 14 to 17 together. We're going to kind of break this into two. I very easily could have went to verse 26, but I said, you know what? There's just too much. I want us to just spend time on these these four verses here and then we'll continue this conversation next week. But James chapter 2, verse 14, let's read that together. He says, what good is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Let's pray really quick this morning as we ask God's word to speak to us. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I just ask you to open our hearts and minds to your word. God, speak to us through the truth of your text. God, allow us to lay aside our burdens. God, lay aside our expectations and just take from it what you have for us. Father God, we love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So as we begin to talk about this relationship between faith and works where I want to spend some time this morning is I really want us to see, really want us to get a grasp of what is saving faith. This morning, what is saving faith? Because there are different types of faith and as we continue through this conversation over the next uh, over next week, we'll kind of see some different types of faith reveal themselves, but specifically this morning, he's speaking to us about a faith that is not dead but living. There's this relationship between a living faith and works and he's wanting us to connect the those things together so that they would, we would see that play out in our life. And so I love the way that James starts out this second half here is he said, what good is it? Like he's just looking at, I feel like he's looking at me right in my heart, right in my eyes and saying, what good is it? What good is your religion? What good is your faithfulness? What good is is your rituals? What good is it? What good is it if you say but it does not have works behind it. If, you, if you're just speaking these things, kind of going back to the end of chapter of chapter 1, when he says your religion is worthless, if it's just speaking and it's not doing from your hearing. And so for us this morning to see this relationship between faith and works, we, we have to see that... The question always is that comes up around these verses, that comes up around this text is, do works save us? You know, and this is a very important question. This is a question that the historical church has been kind of in disagreement over for a long time. This is the very question that in itself was the very basis of the Protestant Reformation that drove Protestants away from the Roman Catholic churches. This very question, do works save you? And we believe and we teach a a doctrine that says sola fide or sola fide meaning faith alone, that we believe that faith alone saves. And so we have to understand as we look at works and faith, how do those things connect? Because it seems like James here is putting heavy emphasis on works and it seems like he's putting it on a heavy emphasis on works for salvation, which would be in disagreement with what Paul says all throughout Romans when he says faith alone justifies us all these things. But what we see is that those two guys are just looking at it from a different perspective. That what James is trying to communicate to us is that works is coming from this place of faith, not works creating faith. That works are coming from faith and we'll continue in that as we move on. But for us to understand the way that we believe and we interpret God's word as we read through Romans is very clear that faith saves us. That faith justifies us or justifying us, making us right before God, deeming us innocent of our sin. That faith in Jesus justifies us and it begins sanctifying us or setting us apart, molding us into the image of God. And it gives us confidence that he will bring, uh, that he will be glorifying us in his presence. And so that's the kind of faith that we believe in. And Hebrews Hebrews 11, 6 talks about it this way, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. That it, without this type of faith, without this saving faith, without this living faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, and so this faith we have to understand is essential for our salvation. And so we have to also understand the context of who he's talking to. So he is speaking to, remember, he's speaking to Jewish Christians who at one point lived by the law. They lived by this very strict set of laws that by these laws they were justified, by these laws they were made right before God. And so he's not only speaking against that, But he's also speaking to the ones who maybe are just living recklessly because of God's grace. And so he's trying to bring it in and bring all this together to help us understand because God's grace is the very saving work at which our faith experiences. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, we do agree that for by grace you have been saved through faith. And so the faith is the conduit at which we receive that grace. And so he says, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's very clear that Paul is communicating there in Ephesians that our salvation is by his grace through faith, not by works, so that I couldn't boast about that God has saved me because I'm such a great religious ritualistic person. He's speaking against that here in Titus 3.5. He says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness or by us in good standing before God, but according to His own mercy by the washing and the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Church, faith is the saving work. Faith is the saving work. And that's what Paul, uh, I mean, uh, James is trying to bring our minds to that faith is applied belief. That when we have put faith in, what are we talking about when we say, what are we putting faith in? We're putting faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We're putting faith in the shed blood of Jesus to, to, that had paid the price for me. And that it's this trust and that that work is being enough. That work being enough. R.C. Sproul said this, he said, the prayer of faith is a prayer of trust. The very essence of faith is trust. And that any moment in our lives... Any moment that we live striving for a place at God's table shows us that we don't understand God's grace through faith. If we are working to earn that grace, if we are working to earn our spot at God's table, because the Bible tells us that we fall short every single time. And it's like running uphill. It's like fighting the wind, fighting against the flow. He tells us you'll never make it up that hill that righteous hill that only the Holy One can stand on. He said we can continue to try, we can continue to climb, but we will not make it. And so what gets us there? The Bible tells us faith gets us there. Faith gains us His grace, that trust in His work, that trust in what He's done, that trust in what He's given to us. Because everything that we do as a Christian, everything we do comes from this place of faith. Okay, everything we do, because he's telling us in this relationship between works and faith that it has to be a saving faith, a saving faith that our works come from. Because the thing is, not every work, not every work is a good work. Not every work is a righteous work. The Bible tells us in Romans 14, 23, that every uh, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so even our good stuff, even the good works that we do separate from faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us a sin because those good works are only pointing back to us. The good works that we do separate from a faith placed in Jesus Christ is sin because it does not point to God. It points to us. If we're honest with ourselves, the good things and a lot of people do a lot of good things that aren't believers. I mean, that's the reality. A lot of people do a lot of great, good Merited things for people, for hurting individuals and for people who are struggling. But if those things are not done from a faith in Jesus Christ, they're only pointing back to us to build up who we are, to build up what we do, to build up our talents, to build up our abilities. And what Paul is trying to say there in 14 is that anything that comes that does not proceed from faith is sin because it's pointing to ourselves, building up the man, building up the creation rather than the creator. And then James says in here in verse 14, he says, what good is it? What good is uh, that other kind of faith, that dead faith that does not have works? And he says, can that faith save him? Because the reality is a saving faith, a living faith is a faith that knows that it's saved. And he's calling us to this resting in the promises of Christ's sacrifice in 1 Peter 3, 18. He says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That we would understand that if we're living in faith to Christ, that living, active faith, and we'll get more to the action part of it here shortly, but that living faith, that is a saving faith. It says not only will we trust it, but we will not be working against it by thinking we can earn it. I love this quote that I found this week. I didn't have who said it, but it says this. It says, don't let the enemy convince you to pick up the invoice for your past mistakes. You owe nothing. Jesus already paid the bill. The enemy will tell us constantly that there's still a debt you you owe. There's still something that you have to work for. There's still something that you have to earn from God. And what Jesus tells us through his death and resurrection is that, that the debt's been paid. The sacrifice has been made. The invoice has been covered. You're free. Like we talked about last week, that law of liberty. You're free now. But that doesn't mean because we're free as Christians, because God has done that on our behalf, it does not mean that from us there should not be a result. It does not mean that there should not be something happening from our life if we are Christians this morning, that there should not be works that are coming because we love to talk about God's grace. And I'm so thankful for God's grace because without God's grace, I'm a wretched sinner destined for eternal separation from him. But he tells us in his word that there is grace and it's by grace through faith that we're saved, the saving faith. But then continuing on in in Ephesians where we read that about grace and faith, he says this in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. He said, for we are his workmanship that we have been molded together, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Church, he's made us, he's saved us, he's done something with us for something. And it's for a work. It's not a work for the grace through the faith, but it's a work that is coming from, overflowing from what Jesus has done for us, what Christ has provided for us. Because what he is speaking to here in verse 16, he says, there's one of you who says you say something without giving. So he's saying he's talking about this people who what they say doesn't doesn't measure up to their talk. What they're doing doesn't measure up to their talk. Their action doesn't measure up to who they say they are. They say they're doing all the right things. They're singing all the right songs. They're they're act, They're they're saying things that seem right. But he's telling them. That the faith that they're functioning from is not a saving faith because it's not resulting in action. It's not resulting in something that is visible. Not to earn their spot at the table, but because they have a spot at the table. You know, the thing is, is we do a lot of work from faith. There's a lot of things that we do in our life from faith. You know, you sit in those chairs this morning, those pews this morning, in faith that they won't fall when you sit down. You sat there in faith this morning. You drove here in your car in faith that it would carry you here, that it would not die, that it would bring you to this place. It always could, but you step in it in faith, believing that. You get on an airplane when you go on a trip in faith that that plane is going to carry you safely to the other side. We, we step into so many things in faith. And it, it is a result because, you know, I, I know for a fact that Josh is terrified of flights. And I know recently he went on a flight uh, out of the country. And I know that probably took a lot of faith for him to step onto that plane. But him stepping onto that plane is a revelation that he had faith that that plane was going to carry him, even if he was terrified of it. Church, for us, with Jesus, it's the same way. That if we have faith in Jesus, even the things we step into, we may be be terrified of it. We may be completely just overwhelmed with the feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of, of doubt and, and wonder and concern, but he tells us that as we're stepping, that he's going to be showing us just as we you get in your car and the closer you get here, the more you understand my car can carry me, my car will bring me there, my car is going to get me there. The closer you get to your destination in, your, in the plane, the closer you get there, the more you understand, oh, it's got me, I'm almost there. And so for us in our faith in Jesus, maybe we don't understand it, maybe we're afraid of it, maybe we don't even feel like we deserve it. But he tells us as we walk in it, as we're working through it, that the closer we get, the more we're molded into the image of Christ, the more confident we become. But it's because of our steps. It's because of the work that is overflowing from our faith in Jesus that it helps to give us more and more and more of that confidence of who God is. You know, because the reality is no man can come to Christ by faith and remain the same. Any more, any more than somebody can't come in contact with a, a, a with with electricity, with a 220 volt a wire or get hit by a car, or get struck by lightning, listen, you're going to have a limp after that, right? There's going to be something. There's there's going to be something on you, a scar. There's going to be something that has changed. On you, in you, because of this circumstance, because of this situation. Jesus, an experience with Christ is the same way, church. We don't experience the saving faith of Jesus through grace without coming away a little different. You know, and and, and that's a, a progressive thing. I'm not saying, don't hear me saying this morning that faith in Jesus makes you perfect from day one. I can tell you right now that day... Day one, day two, after my faith in Jesus, day three, four, five, month, five, six, seven, year one, I I had some rotten times. And I still do. I'm a sinner, church. I fall short. I fail constantly. I probably fail some of you sometimes. But the more we're molded, the more we're sanctified, the more God is using us and making us into the image of Christ, the more we'll understand and have that confidence to know who he is and what he's doing. Because God has called us to be a working people from this perspective of what he's done. Titus 1.16, it says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Philemon 1.5-6, he says, Because I hear of your love, he's talking about a people. I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I love that 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 he's saying here. He says, I hear of your love and I hear of your faith. That is the very essence that defines our Christian life is faith and love. And these things intermingled together, this faith and love for Christ and this faith and love for our brothers and sisters in Jesus. That is the outpouring of the work of the Holy Spirit of faith within us is faith and love. And I love that he notices that and he recognizes that That it's toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And that he prays about the sharing and that that is the evidence of our life. The sharing of this knowledge that is from within us of what we know and who we know of Jesus. Listen, because the reality is, is that our work is not about performances, but it is about his promises and how that moves us and motivates us. We understand who Jesus is, and the more we understand about who Jesus is and what he's done, he works from within us. He works that out within us. Like I said at the beginning, the the saving faith works for me by saving me, and it works with me by using me as a tool in my family, in my relationship, in my workplace, in the places that I go, in the people I experience. R.C. Sproul said it is one thing to believe in God. It is quite another to believe God and to believe God Will lead us into this place of action where in verse 17 he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead. He is not telling us that works justify us or make us right before God. He's telling us because we are justified, our works justify us. The word justified is used several different times in the Bible to mean something. But when it talks about later on in James, it says that we're justified by our works. He's telling us that our works validate us. That the work that we do validates who we are the same way that in the book of Acts, when Jesus, when God used these signs, he used healings, he used tongues, he used prophecy, he used all these signs. What was he doing? These signs weren't justifying the people of God by making them believers. They were believers and then they were doing these actions and these actions were validating who they were. Now, we may not prophesy, we may not speak in tongues, but God has given us uh, work to do. God has given us tasks to do that validate who we are and, and our love and our faith toward God and towards people, our brothers and sisters. And like last week, when we talked about you know, the, the poor and the needy. And the week before that, we talked about the orphan and the widow, like those people around us that are in desperate need of Christian love just poured out over them in their life. That is the validation of the work of the spirit, the justification Of the work of God in an individual's life is this work pouring out from their life. Because what we believe is that faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. Saving faith is never alone. Saving faith always comes with the work of God. It always is visible through the outpouring of a Christian love on people and individuals and on the Lord Jesus You know, because true saving faith can never be by itself. It always brings life and and life produces good works. You know, uh, as someone who is regenerated, you know, sometimes you'll hear believers call those who have been regenerated because the Bible tells us that we're dead in our trespasses. And so the Holy Spirit brings us back to life. And I don't know about you, but if I ever died and I was brought back to life, I would not stay where I was dead. I would get up because I would know I had a life to live. I had things to do. And I would thank God for every moment that I had. You know, and so for us as Christians, you know, as we're saved through faith, it, through, by God's grace, that we're living that out, that we're living life, that we're living with all we've got to, to this new life lived out, that we're letting it be seen. We're letting it be known. And it's not pointing to me anymore, but it's pointing to Jesus Christ and the saving work that he's done and what he's offered and what he's given. So faith does not come from works, but works come from faith. And so that's the whole point, And that's what he's called us to. He's called us to this very idea because he he blasted the religious leaders for this, because it tell, tells us all throughout the Gospels. They stood on street corners and they prayed out loud and and they knew all that they could know about the old law and the Old Testament and the, and, and, and all that was written. And they could memorize it and, and all these things. But what did he call them in Matthew 15? He called them hypocrites. Why did he call them hypocrites? Because they had a lot of talk. They talked a lot of good talk and they knew a lot of good knowledge about the Bible and who God was. And and, but they didn't know Jesus. It was not coming from this place of faith. And so everything was pointing back to them. And so what does he tell them? Jesus tells them this in Matthew 15. He said, this people honors me. He's quoting Isaiah. He says, these this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so everything they do, continuing on this, he says everything they do is in vain. It is in vain. And they do what they do. the, in vain do they worship me. In vain are they teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. In Hebrews 6.1 it says therefore let us Leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to uh, go on to maturity, not laying again on the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. He's telling us to move beyond dead works, to be casting off dead works, so but we would have living works from a living faith that is evident in our life. Romans 16, 26. Paul said this. He said, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience of faith. That our faith is acted out in obedience in how we live. And, you know, thank God for his grace. But God's grace is not an excuse for us to neglect uh, the, the spiritual lives of our family, to neglect our own spiritual life, to neglect the spiritual influence we can have on the people around us by loving them through this Christian love, through Christian faith, lived out for other people. He is calling us to this obedient faith. Just because God saved us does not mean that we hide ourselves and we pull back from living and walking and working because we're working from victory. That, I mean, that's the whole idea of this series is that we're working from this perspective of, of a war one that the debt has been paid. And because of that, I'm going to live, I'm going to live my life. Philippians two twelve 12 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. So now, not only as I am present, but much more in my absence, work out, your own salvation with fear and trembling or work out of your own salvation. Work out of this place where you have been saved. We have been justified by a saving faith. Where you have truly trusted in Jesus for the work of righteousness on your behalf, that he has saved you, that you've allowed, you've laid your sins at the foot of the cross. And that the Bible tells us in Colossians that the record of our debt is nailed there at the cross, that I don't have to carry it, I don't have to go back for it, but I can live from that. But that only happens when we truly trust, that I believe that Jesus has done this for me. The Bible says if we believe, then we are saved. We are saved by the power of the law. We are saved by the power of sin. And we are able to live in liberty and freedom. You know, these works, they simply flow out of us, the Bible tells us. That the works from a living, saving faith just flow out of us. And so what do we do this morning? As we wrap up, uh, how, how do we respond to this? You know, in, uh, in, in my line of work in medicine, every intervention is based on an assessment. You know, and, and the reality is, you know, I always told people, uh, I'll, I'll, it's good, gr- good job security because people are always going to be sick. And so because people are sick, there's always going to be work to be done. And because there's always going to be work to be done, there's always going to have to be assessments made. And because there's always assessments to be made, there's always going to need to be interventions that are done. There's going to be goals, and there's going to be c- things that I'm gonna want, we need to accomplish to help. And so these assessments, they're checking out the patients, the system by system, to evaluate the status. And so for us, Christian, this morning, or non-Christian, this morning, the the biggest thing that we could do day after day is just evaluate, evaluate ourselves, evaluate our walk, our assessment, not to bring shame, not to bring guilt, but to give ourselves direction, to know where we need, because we always need to grow, we always need to be uh, shown where we need to be stepping. You know, the Bible talks about uh, that His word is a lamp to our feet you know, a lamp to our feet. And, and if we take that visual, you know, I just imagine like this little this little propane lamp that we shine in, and literally all we can see is like what's right here around us. And we may not know what's ahead of us and we're trying to leave behind what's behind us. But what we have confidence in is what God has shown us right around ourselves as we take step after step after step in faith towards the work that God has called us to, towards the thing that God has laid before us. And so we may not always understand, but it's by that faith that we step out into this work that he's called us to. And so that we know that faith is vital to our life and our afterlife, the saving faith. And so how do we know? How do we know that we either have saving faith or how do we know that we are walking in saving faith? That we are allowing that to pour out of us and that we're not suppressing that. We're not suppressing that by starving ourselves of God's word or we're not suppressing that by starving ourselves from from Christian fellowship or or just allowing ourselves through fear or, or, or anxieties or worries that are keeping us from working these things out. How do we evaluate how the status of that in our lives? You know, because James has made it clear it is alive. That faith, saving faith is alive and active and is working out of me, not for selfish gain or worldly praise but for the glory of God and for the good of others around me. Because that's really where it's at. You know, even, you know, yes, for the glory of God, but just to think, you know, just to think about how much a family is changed by a, a husband or a wife. Just pouring their life into God's word and how the Bible tells us several different times. You know, there's one time it talks about a wife of an unbelieving husband that it tells the Bible tells us that 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 wife just continues to pour out her life for the Lord, continues to lead her family to the Lord in a prayer and a hope that her life will be a testimony to that husband. And then other parts where it talks about the husband being a leader and pouring himself out before his family and and sacrificing himself as Christ has sacrificed himself for the church and just being that visible manifestation of the God gospel at work. That there is so many, all all throughout the Bible, we'll see one individual come to faith in Jesus in that family and a whole family gets saved because they see the evidence of God's work. There's so much to gain from a working out of a living faith that is within us. And so how do we evaluate that within our lives? Uh, Second Corinthians tells us to examine. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet this test. He says, examine, examine yourselves. You know, and so I, I came across some of these things from the book of 1 John that just, John just kind of lays out this, this walk of how we can evaluate our Christian walk. And this isn't to shame us because whether we're a believer that, that is, is, has suppressed this or we're an unbeliever that hasn't quite grabbed the hold of that faith yet, he tells us here in 1 John some, some things that we can look at to see how is our faith being worked out. Are we really, as a believer, working out of salvation or maybe as an unbeliever who just haven't, haven't quite let go? Haven't quite let go and put your faith in Christ for the work of redeeming your life and bringing you to better, better and better things. You know, what what type of thing should I be looking for? The first thing we see here is, do you enjoy these 12 things? And I'll be quick. These 12 things. Do you enjoy Christ and other Christians? First John, chapter one, verse three. He says, so that you too may have fellowship with us, talking about believers, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you enjoy Christ and other Christians? That is a living faith acted out. The second thing is, what would people say about your walk? Is it the light or is it a walk in darkness? Verses 6-7 uh, verses through seven of chapter 1. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. Do we walk in the light or do we walk in the dark? How would people evaluate my walk? Number three, do you admit and confess your sins? In verse eight, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse nine, if we confess our sins, thank God, it says that he is faithful and just to forgive. A living faith, a believer or unbeliever is is confessing, admitting that we fall, admitting that we fail, confessing that we're sinful. Verse um, number four, it says, is your goal to follow God's word? In First in, uh, John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, he says, if we keep his commandments, if we, we love him, if we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. If we desire, not perfected in a sense that everything that we do is perfect, but perfected in a sense of that he's perfecting us, he's molding us, progressively changing us because we are striving towards obedience to his word. So is your goal to follow God's word? Number five, is your life an indication you you love God rather than the world? John 2 verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. When he says the world, he's speaking of a system that is in rebellion to to God. And so he says, "Is, is your love, the more of your worship, the more of what's pouring out of you, is it more towards the things of the world and the rebellious system against God? Or is it to God himself, to Jesus Christ and his work of love and faithfulness for God and for other people? Is that the thing that's pouring out of us? Number six, is your life characterized by doing the right thing? Are we striving towards doing the right thing? In verse 29 of chapter 2 of 1 John, he says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him, has been born of Christ. Are you practicing righteousness? It doesn't mean perfect at righteousness. And, and if you practice anything, the things that I practice, I know I fail at those things all the time. And so he's not saying that we're perfect at righteousness, but we're practicing righteousness. We're trying to do the right things. We're trying to follow the instructions of the Lord. Number eight, do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Since you've come to faith in Jesus, do you see changes? Maybe those changes are small. Maybe those changes are massive. You know, not everybody goes from an addict to cured one moment to the next when they put their faith in Jesus. Sometimes that's progressive. Sometimes it's years and years as God works through these addictions in people's lives. So just because someone struggles with sin after coming to faith with Jesus doesn't mean they're not a believer. But it says, are those things slow, even even if it's slowly, are those things changing in your life? Number nine. He says, do you demonstrate love for other Christians? In chapter 3, verse 14, he says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Because we love the brothers. We cannot be believers and not love God's people. We cannot be one of God's people and not love God's people. As annoying as they may be, as difficult to love as Christians may be sometimes, he calls us to love our brothers. And that is an outpouring of a living faith from us. Number 10, do you walk the walk versus just talking the talk in 1 John 3, 18 and 19? He says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. He says that that we are doing from deed, from truth, from what we know about God and who he is and what he's done for us. Number 11, do you maintain a clear conscience? Do we live a life that is constantly being condemned and convicted by our conscience because we're doing the wrong things? In verse 21, he says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If our heart is condemning us, then we don't have confidence before God. He says, do you have that confidence? Do you have that confidence? The outpouring of an active faith, a saving faith. Number 12, the last thing, and then we're done. Do you experience victory in your Christian walk? Do you experience victory? Are you able to walk day after day and enjoy the victory that we talk about working from this this place that that if we're if the work that we do for the Lord or in our life and our family just seems miserable and seems burdensome, then we're probably not working from this place of understanding the victory that Jesus has done for us on the cross because probably if we're working and we're miserable then what we're still doing is we're still comparing ourselves to other people we're still working from this place where we don't feel adequate or equipped for it and we're still working from this place where we're trying to earn God's favor and we never feel like we're good enough but the moment that we can truly understand with a saving faith what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross is the moment that the shackles fall off and we can begin to be confident and, and, and comfortable in the place that God has placed us in this saving faith that He has done for us and in us. In, in one John chapter five verse four, He says, "For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world." And this is the victory that has come from that has overcome the world. Our faith, our faith, our faith in Jesus, our faith in His saving work our faith in who he is and what he's done. That's what he's offered to us. And so I pray, I know these are a lot of things this morning that I laid out, but I pray this morning as we wrap up that that you would just take just a moment and just evaluate, examine. You know, what what is the state of my faith? How is it affecting my worship to God? How is it affecting the way that I love my family? How is it affecting the way you love your children? How is it affecting the way you love the people around you, the people in your church, the people in your workspace? How it is affecting that? So if we could, let's bow our heads and just take a moment this morning as we finish up. That we would truly evaluate, that we would not be afraid for God to confront us right where we're at. That maybe first off as a Christian, maybe our faith Has just been so suppressed that we have starved our faith so much, either by neglecting ourselves of of Christian fellowship, by neglecting ourselves of devotion to His Word, by neglecting ourselves time to 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 communicate with Him, to pray, neglecting ourselves to Christian relationships, whether it's with our spouses, whether it's with our church family. We've neglected ourselves because we're functioning out of fear rather than confidence out of the victory that God has for me, that I don't have to compare myself to other people anymore, that I don't have to to fight to earn my place, but that I have my place and that I'm working from this place, from a seat at the table that's reserved for me because I put my faith in Jesus. So believer, examine yourself this morning in that place. And then for, for maybe those this morning or that one even this morning that just hasn't hasn't put their faith in Christ isn't functioning from that saving faith doesn't feel good enough doesn't feel like they have a place at the table doesn't even think maybe they need it still working for it still trying to earn it maybe my prayer for you this morning as you evaluate is that you don't see the things that we've talked about As an unattainable goal, as a thing to make you feel ashamed, but a path to begin to walk on. That saving faith begins with trust in Jesus to make you right before God, to provide you a way that he's offered that to you, that he's offered that to us. And this morning, I pray that you would see that and that you would receive that and accept that. The Bible says if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done, that we will be saved. I pray this morning that you would put your faith in His saving work this morning if you haven't. Father God, I thank You for this morning. Father God, I pray that we would never cease to evaluate our walk. God, that we would understand that there's going to be days and seasons where we fall short where we struggle, where we fail. Father God, I pray this morning for believers that we would just push through those things. God, that we would just constantly come back to the well that you tell us will never run dry. That you overflow with with righteousness and everlasting life for those who are thirsty and in need. God, I just pray this morning that as a Christian, you would help us help those see their need. Their need for their faith to be fueled. Their need for their fire to be stoked. God, I pray I pray for that work this morning for the believer to be able to walk in active faith, a living faith and allow faith and love to pour out from who they are and what they do in their families, in their church, in our church. If they're here with us, God, Father, and I pray for the unbeliever this morning, God. And I'm going to say unbeliever, just that person who hasn't put their faith totally in you and your work. Father God, I pray that you would bring bring about a confidence with them. God, that comes from from you, only knowing you from the work of your spirit that you're doing in them right now, God. That you tell us that you you knock the scales off our eyes, God, that you regenerate our spirits, God, that you bring us back to life. Father God, so I pray for that individual this morning that just would rest in that work. And then begin to allow you to lead them to the walk of a living and active faith. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you. That even when we're not perfect, you and your word are. And God, we can always draw from you when we're in need. And God, I pray that we would constantly do that. God, in our failures, and our faults, and our brokenness. Lord, I pray that you just continue to lead us, use us. God, be, a, be, be an outpouring of love and faith from us constantly. God, challenge us to be so much more than just a religious people participating in rituals. God, let what we do mean more than what we just say. Have it' be an outpouring of an act of faith for you. Father God, we love you. we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.